0: This is Frameform. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It's Claire here. Uh, Today's episode features um, different fare than what we usually present at Frameform. Today, we are uh, dedicating it to the life, the work, the memory, and the legacy of Simon Files. Now, many of you probably already know Simon, either through his films, uh, many of which he made with longtime collaborator Katrina McPherson, or through uh, festival events or gathering events, um, many of which he organized. But if you don't know Simon, um, I'm hoping that over the next few minutes, you'll have a better idea of who he was and what he meant to the field of screen dance. Simon was a uh, supporter of Frameform. I actually remember, I think one of the very first comments we got on Facebook was from Simon mentioning he was subscribing to the show, so he could have very well been subscriber number one. And um, each of us at Frameform have personal memories of, uh, of his work and our interactions with him, but given the scope of his outreach and just how many people worked with him over the course of his lifetime, we thought it would be more appropriate to hear from others and ask many of his close collaborators for their memories of Simon. So just to give a basic overview, I actually want to start off with uh, the words of Ellen Bromberg who established and led the Screen Dance Certificate at uh, the University of Utah for many years.
1: Simon Files has made significant contributions to the field of screen dance as a media artist, editor, producer, and scholar. As an artist, his works made in collaboration with Katrina McPherson are the ones I know best. The combination of their complementary talents over the years has generated seminal work in what was a burgeoning field at the time, work that has been recognized by a plethora of global screenings and awards. As a former musician, Simon brought a distinct musicality to his editing, using the luscious footage shot by Katrina to create a form of visual music. The notes of these scores are derived from the inherent emotive qualities of the body captured in motion, framed often by the beauty of the natural world or the residence of a specific location. What results from this merging of structure and subject is a unique example of the potential for screen dance to create a third reality, a unique kinesthesia, one that cannot be experienced in either film or dance alone. So as we were reaching out to
0: friends and collaborators of Simon, in addition to memories they have of both his work and their work with him, uh, we also posed two questions to, to get started. Now, these two questions, when paired together, not only function as a provocation of sorts, but also offer insight into Simon's own thoughts and processes which are so evident in his work. Now, given this is an auditory dance film uh, medium <laughs> through which uh, we are coming to you, um, I can't think of a better duo to get us started.
2: Hello, my name is Omari Motion Carter.
0: And I'm Anna Clifford.
2: And we are the Motion Dance Collective, here to talk about...
3: The amazing...
2: The incomparable Simon Filds. Yeah, he was a big mentor of both of us. Yeah. And he really not only paved the way for the way we think about screen dance now, but also set us up with so many opportunities for us to really be engrossed and part of the family. Mm -hmm. so thank you for inform for giving us the opportunity to speak about him and what he means to us um so let's look at your questions okay first one easy what is choreography It is editing second one what is editing it is choreography done (laughs) that's what that is directing is both it's all the same yeah it's french spanish italian and really we're all saying the same things. yeah but we don't actually realize that
3: I think, I think I also just see it as a way of finding patterns within our creativity. Mm. Both of them are a way of finding patterns and then giving them a form. Right. Yeah.
2: Because in the same way, you know, Simon was a choreographic editor.
3: Yeah, 100%.
2: You know, and so he, he was a person who really showed the amalgamation of, of what the two together can really look like.
4: Mm. Hi, my name is Robin G., And I am a dancer, choreographer, filmmaker, and the director of the Greensboro Dance Film Festival. What is editing? Um, When I think about those two questions, I actually think about Simon. So I think he would say that both are about choice speaking. Though I don't proffer a hard and fast definition of either, I do believe that uh, they intersect quite a bit, particularly in my work, and most recently I have found that my processes in editing actually have informed my choreographic process and the ways in which I make choices um, as a choreographer. Things are no longer precious. The way I assemble dances really sort of resemble some of the ways in which I assemble ideas on a timeline now, um, the ways in which I go into choreographic process and playing is some of the things that I've learned from him in terms of how to play and how to think about editing.
5: Hi, I'm Abby Warlow, and I am a director and choreographer.
6: And my name is Louis Gurley, I'm an editor and director.
5: I would say choreography is everywhere, it's It's moving in space, but it's also, well, as part of my job, it's constructing movement, whether it be for a non-dancer doing domestic movement or a professional dancer mimicking something that I've created. But it can also be within the environment, it can be everywhere. And I think that's partly why I love my job.
6: Editing is about finding a flow um, and creating atmosphere. Um, with uh, video, film, music, sound, bringing it all together. Um, It's also, it's quite often problem solving. You don't know what happened on the shoot or in production, but you have everything in front of you. There might be holes in in it. You don't know. You just have to, to bring it to a state that you're happy with and the director's happy with. Through passes of refinement, you know from a rough cut to um, sound mixes to color grade um, and you're you end up with something presentable, hopefully
7: So my name is Ben Esterbrook, and I am a filmmaker and educator. What is choreography? Well, to me, choreography is a series of stylized movements that has some intention behind them. You know, perhaps it's set to music or a response to, like, an internal rhythm of the dancer or response to the environment in some way. As for editing, you know, I like to think, or um, I like to paraphrase Eisenstein when I think about editing, because for me it really is about how the collision of two shots creates new meaning and who does that better really than than simon
2: (laughs) no one touched no one touched the editing software like simon man like the use of repetition the use of accumulation things that we you know Mm. we think about when we talk about choreography and he was actually implementing that in in the edit it's not often you see repeated frames yeah you know coming into fold and then even just knowing he was a bassist as well yeah uh, added the percussive element to his to his editing style and so there was something very idiosyncratic about the the edits he made and the way he could compose could choreograph could edit the dance together you know so unique yeah right yeah. And so that's, that's a really big legacy that I still show my students to this day. Yeah. You know, let's have a look at a different type of editing that you might not have seen yet. One mm. that is probably, in my opinion,
6: danced. I remember speaking with Simon about your role as an editor. Um, and, well, when me and Abby work, um, you know, she's choreographer, I'm, I'm editor, but we, we often kind of bicker and I think the way he put it is, well why would you have two choreographers in the edit suite and it's because he really saw his role as choreographer when it came to post-production and it's true, like that's where you reinterpret the movement create movement where you didn't have it, create flow and um, choreography where it wasn't necessarily designed but you have the ability to, to, to make it how you would like it and and you're not only combining the the, the movement together within the film you're you're adding atmosphere with um, with music and sound and pacing um, in his case, often with um, criteria such as repetition um, which would could only exist um, in that format. you know it's not something that you could apply to stage, for example.
1: As a scholar, Simon brought sharp, critical thinking to the field and strove to contextualize it within its cultural, historical, and aesthetic past, as well as the present moment. In his essay entitled, Repetition, Revelation, and Transformation, The Loop in Video Dance Structure, he applies musical, philosophical, and dance historical theory to artfully discuss quote, the transcendental and the spiritual in repetition found across music, literature, and the performing and visual arts," In this essay, he mines the idea of structural montage, which is evident in his own editing, in different art forms, and discusses the unique results when bringing this theory into the realm of screen dance.
7: So when I think about Simon's contributions to the field of screen dance, of course, his use of repetition in his editing is immediately what comes to mind, and it's it's hard to talk about Simon's work with also without also you know acknowledging Katrina McPherson is a long time um, collaborator because from what I understand you know I, I think she also had an interest in working with repetition you know even before she met Simon so I, I think just both of them, I mean, kind of explains why they made such brilliant work together is because they, they both had this interest in the use of repetition and were able to really explore that. And I, in Simon's essay, when he talks about repetition and looping, as he refers to it, um, you know, he talks about how it can bring about this kind of like transcendental experience for the, the viewer. And, and I, I think that is what draws me into his work so much is it It really does kind of take you to this, you know, different state of consciousness as, as you watch it, which is just, you know, such an amazing, you know, uh, experience to, to have, you know, as you're watching a, a film. And he really should be, you know, rightfully considered to be a, a pioneer in this field. You know, I, I think he's right up there with all the other greats um, because he really truly moved the form forward you know he really truly was an innovator and it's so um you know i mean that's such a rare thing
0: the very first dance film or screen dance workshop that i ever took was from ben estabrook uh through the san francisco dance film festival and when we were working on uh the editing portion of the workshop um Simon's work really took front and center. So his work was incredibly formative as far as what what I wanted my work to be. In particular, hearing about the process of improvisation and developing scores for the camera and for the edit, it really drove home the point about deliberate choice making. I'm echoing Robin, and yes, I am. Mm -hmm indeed editing the episode but uh, I wanted to echo her thoughts as far as the process of deliberate choice making and even though we're seeing a dancer improvising we see Katrina's camera improvising and presumably a score developing the choreographic material in the edit every choice is super deliberate and that's something that I've really taken away as I've progressed with my own work
7: you can instantly recognize a film that's been edited by Simon because he does have such a unique, uh, a unique approach to it. But it's, you know, it's not also, it's not just his use of, of repetition, you know, that I, I think is so impressive about his work. It's just the way he's able to build, um, or find relationships, you know, between shots. And, you know, whenever I teach, Editing, of, of course, you know, I, I talk you know, at length about Simon's work and and we do a breakdown of, of there as a place, some of the sequences in there, of course, the, the table sequence and the, the finale and um, just the, the way he's able to, you know, find relationships between these, these clips. And, and again, kind of going back to, to Eisenstein, where, uh, you know, just new meaning is created from these, these clips that he puts together i mean thinking to the the finale of there's a place when he starts kind of slowly working in the shots of um of saying on the the hill and at first just a few frames you know and then just you know three frames four frames you know slowly you know we we see that shot of um of him on the hill kind of gradually getting worked into the piece and 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 that's getting intercut with with him you know in that um you know, interior setting, and it's just a really profound, profound moment in the film. But yeah, it really makes an impression on students, I I think, you know, and a lot of them really get inspired, you know, by seeing that work, and then, you know, and try to work repetition into their own um, pieces, and then they discover how hard it is to do. (laughs) Oh, I mean, it's, 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 Uh, you know, something that I I definitely have profound respect for, you know, what he's been
4: able to do. Um, I had been following him on Twitter, and just, I was really fascinated by the work that he made, and um, he was one of the first artists that I really sort of dug into his work, and Katrina's work, and I liked what they were doing, so I thought I'm going to, I wanted to learn from them, and then he offered this workshop in Perth, in Scotland, and I just happened to be in Berlin. Uh, doing some work and I signed up for it and got on a plane and went to Scotland. And I was lucky enough to be part of this workshop that was three days and it wasn't a lot of people. And at the end, they did a couple of screenings. But I kind of got to sort of play with him and um, talk about editing and choice making and creative process and sort of hang out with him and pick his brain and, you know, drink coffee and, you um, I was kind of low-key obsessed. I just thought he was a really, really fascinating artist. And he was about to do a project in a few months in um, the States. He was coming over here to work for Experimental Film Virginia. So he invited me to come and be his assistant. They offered him one. And generally, when he worked in Scotland... um, they provided him with assistance, and so he said, well, I could be that person for him over here, and I had a car, so I kind of got to work with him for two, three weeks um, as part of this residency where they make work, and then they have a screening at the end. And during that part of the process, we sort of became friends, and I got to sort of watch him work and... um, share his ideas with students, and then um, just we really, really sort of gelled as friends, and I decided I just wanted to keep contact, so we did a few other workshops together. I came back to Scotland, and we just did a few things, and I, one of the reasons I was fascinated by him and with him is his willingness to share whatever he had, whatever he knew um, about this field, um, his willingness to have a conversation about it in fact, endless conversations about screen dance, which I was always up for. And finally... Um...
7: So back in the summer of 2012, I was fortunate to be a production assistant on Simon and Katrina McPherson's The Time It Takes. And they shot this out in South uist Scotland. And so, you know, day to day, we'd get around and... It's got a large van we'd all pile into and Simon would drive us around and I guess maybe since I was the tallest one and people thought I needed the, the leg room I got to sit up front with Simon which was you know quite a treat. So anyhow so in South the like many parts of Scotland uh, you know it's just these little one-lane roads that you get around and of course there's plenty of of blind corners where you can't really see what's coming around the, the, the corner. Um but uh but despite all that, you know, Simon drove you know quite uh, aggressively through those little country roads. Uh and I, I think to really paint this picture in your, your head, you know, you um it helps if you you know have met Simon because he's uh, you know just kind of soft spoken and reserved and uh, you know, not the the type I guess that you would really imagine would kinda of get a thrill out of driving around the, the back roads of Scotland, uh, you know, quite aggressively. But um but you know, he always had this very like calm look on his face as we were kinda of, like flying down these country roads and all of us were just kinda of, like holding on, slightly white knuckled. But it was just, uh, I don't know, something I always remember. It was just just kind of funny. When
3: we went to visit Scotland and visit him for Screen. Dance in 2019, mm, I
2: was, yeah.
3: and uh, I was sort of his assistant at the festival, which also enabled me to be there for the entirety of it, which was a great opportunity um, and also a chance to get closer to him and see a little bit behind the curtain of all the amazing work that he was doing. But um, yeah, there was just one moment I remember where I went to get us coffee in between screenings and it was just him and I in the auditorium while everyone was out having some fresh air and a bit of a break and we were just having a really candid conversation about how everything was going and it was kind of, um, yeah, it, it was just this moment in time where I got to hear about his experience of the festival and what he enjoyed about bringing people together um, so I'll always have that to hold on to for sure.
2: Yeah, he was the master of bringing people together, wasn't he? Yeah.
6: The festival screen screen dot dance, which um, Simon broadly, um, uh curated, um, along with others, but you know his guiding um, hand on that was to make sure that it was inclusive as possible and really represent, you know, had a a broad representation across you know gender um race whatever you know that was his thing and and i think that will be part of his of his lasting legacy um he also challenged what um could be perceived as dance film and i think he really pushed the boundaries there in his curating but also his filmmaking Um, And how he, and certainly how he mentored us, um, and in his writing in his final film, which is a narrative drama, but he titled it a screen dance on the script. There's no doubt in his mind it was a a dance film, um, but he was challenging um, commissioners and curators and filmmakers to think about what could be a dance film. Maybe it doesn't have to have any dance in it, but it talks about dance or it alludes to dance or the dance is incidental and I really I really re- was inspired by that um, and I think that is again part of his legacy
4: The second memory which was when I was able to bring him here to the States he curated uh, Greensboro Dance Film Festival in 2020 and I brought, got a grant and brought him here for a two-week residency and the memory that I have for him of that time for me that really is the most profound is watching him work with my students or students in general here with students with whom i had a relationship and to see over time how working with him impacted their work um from that sort of cohort of students they have become some of the most sophisticated and thoughtful um art makers in general and i find that, that makes me um, so very, very proud. Sometimes it really makes me miss him even more because we have this shared experience of him and we talk about the work um, in similar ways. For me, I think that that's part of uh, Simon's legacy to the field is his willingness to constantly be in conversation about forwarding this field, about forwarding this art form, about sharing what he knows and what he thinks about um, in terms of creative process with everyone. And I'm sure that that's part of his legacy because I know that I'm not the only one. There's so many people with whom he has um, had such a tremendous impact through his interactions with them.
3: And we will echo to the end of time. Simon was a, um, you know guru of bringing people together within the field and he did that for us especially by sort of inviting us into the circle that existed around his festival in scotland but beyond that he he just sort of took our hands and brought us into the community that exists already um And as is any community, you know, it can be open or closed. And he was one of those people that made sure it was always open. Mm
6: -hmm.
3: And he was always welcoming new people into the fold and making them feel valued and seen. And he did that for us on numerous occasions. And we will always strive
5: to be just as open and welcoming in his honor. Mm Mm-hmm. The most memorable one moment I would imagine would be sitting in a dark room with him and watching hundreds of dance films because I I hadn't made a film for a number of years. Um, so it was kind of getting me up to date with what was very current at that time and there really was some super excellent work but there was also some really dreadful work as well. and it just kind of opened my eyes and just having his feedback on that was really really precious
2: okay so the ma in screen dance at london contemporary dance school has just been announced so i freak out because i'm wondering if i should do it or not am i a master already i did not even know so i call simon i said simon this have you seen it and he said yeah i've seen it (laughs) (laughs) and then um what do we do? Right. I was like, what should I do? Should I should I apply for it? Are, are you going to... What, what are you thinking? He was like, well, I'm going to hand him my CV. I was like, well, maybe I'll just hand him my CV as well. And he was like, right, let's do that. So we both ended up... Applying. Applying uh, to teach on the course. And then, you know, as as uh, the, the future held, I was... Um, uh, took part on the course itself. So... You know, I'm very grateful for that opportunity. But just being able to call Simon at any point, when something new was happening, or there was a film we wanted to share with one another, whether it be our own or mm. others we had seen, yeah, and just to be able to have a chat about that is all those little conversations. I'll I'll remember each and every one of them.
0: Yeah. Simon was always welcoming to anyone who wanted to set foot in the screen dance space. Um, No matter what experience you had with screen dance, um, you were welcome and your input was also welcome too. I remember meeting Simon for the first time in 2013 um, at the San Francisco Dance Film Festival just a few months after I had really learned about his work and here I was just nobody fresh out of college and here he was a veritable legend but he still you know made space for me and you know did that for everyone really assured them they even if they they questioned whether they belonged he had a way of assuring people that they belonged in this space.
4: I find it um, amazing that this person who lived in Scotland was constantly willing to FaceTime with me or talk to me on the phone and share um, ideas. If I ever had a question, I knew I could always call him or text him or email him, and he was always there. We shared a lot of work. He edited two films for me just because um, when I didn't believe in myself, he almost always saw something in the work. He almost always was able to um, shift the way that I thought about my work. And for that, I will be forever grateful.
7: And, I mean, personally, I, I, I don't enjoy editing as much as I, I used to, but sometimes I, I do edit just because there are very few editors I would trust with my footage. But um, But Simon was... Of course, absolutely, uh, an editor that I would always be thrilled to see what he would come up with, you know. And I gave him something that I shot, and uh, and I do wish that we actually were able to collaborate on a film together.
6: The most, um, I guess, the most memorable moment is also the last moment um, that we spoke uh, with Simon. Um he asked us um to help make his final film and as he rapidly got ill
5: we could tell he was struggling but we he was so um articulate in what he wanted and adamant about what he wanted for his film
6: he was like really tired and on a, a lot of medication but he took the time to Answer our questions about the film, and we, we didn't really talk about much else apart from the f- film. Um, there wasn't much else to, to to talk about, but it it was important to him that we understood his sentiment.
5: I guess feeling pressure in a good way to get to get it right with his film. It was so important to him that it was put across to me, and but it was also so important and is so important that. We made a really good job, and I, I think we have. It,
6: his his final film um, is a is a timeline of of it's 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 a road movie, but the timeline is of of life, um, and its ups and downs and whatever it throws at you. Um, and when he wrote it, it was in relation to him and his um, disability, losing um, his ability to walk properly and how, how you react to that in a, in a, in a positive way, which he did. W- what it ended up being was also um, a film that touched on end of life issues as well. And I think that's, yeah, that's what he would have taken, wanted you to take away that you have to, you know, he wants you to keep dancing on the inside. And I think that um, applies to, you know, dealing with a disability or dealing with a loss.
7: I mean, of course, just a massive loss to the field. You know, it, it just makes me so sad to think that we'll never see another *Summon Files* film again. Um, because, you know, I think hands hands down, uh, you know, he he was the best editor of dance in his generation. Um, I, you know, I can't really think of anyone that that comes close. You know, to to the work he's done. So.
2: Yeah, it feels like there's definitely a hole now in the screen dance world that no one can really fill. Yeah. But he brought enough people into the circle for us to inhabit it and take care of it, you know. Yeah. He curated such a big community of 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 screen dance family members.
3: Internationally too. Right. I mean, what was amazing about him was that obviously he fostered this amazing community uh in Scotland at Dance, which we got to witness and be a part of, which was, uh, you know, an incredible thing that we will always remain grateful for.
2: But he traveled. But he
3: did that internationally, too. Everywhere that he worked and traveled to, he took that spirit with him mm-hmm. and I think inspired people around the world to, to sort of echo that kind of. And it's, you know, everyone that we are now connected to because of him you know is and is still in our lives now it's just it's just really remarkable because all of us including you know those that are in america in i don't know every part of the world that he has touched in canada it's you know yeah
2: brazil mexico all over
3: all over the world we're all gonna continue his legacy by not only making work but being a community to each other right it's very easy to feel isolated Mm. um in in art Mm. and in making and he a big part of the way that he connected us was by making us feel like we were not alone
2: right we live on in his legacy definitely and he'll rest in high definition (laughs) yes
4: So thank you, Simon, and um, we miss you so very much. It's hard to imagine that there is a world in which we live where you're not somewhere laughing or smiling or talking about art.
0: I would like to thank everyone who so generously took the time to contribute their memories to this episode. I would especially like to thank Simon's widow, Wynne Potritz, for her support of this episode and her work keeping Simon's legacy alive. His legacy continues to live on, and you can see his influence on so, so many works of screen dance. And the resources that he made to help connect the greater screen dance community, like the Screen Dance Calendar and the Screen Dance Alumni Network, continue to serve the community and I believe will continue to serve it for a long, long time. We would like to close the episode on a lighter note by sharing a resource of Simon's that I certainly continue to use both as a teaching tool and as a curatorial aid. We are sharing it in the show notes, but if you are on the move and you can't read anything right now, we are so thrilled to have our last contributor here to read it for you.
8: Hello, this is Mitchell Rose, emeritus professor of dance filmmaking at Ohio State University, and now just an independent guy. For a while, Simon and I had some back and forth about the tropes that one commonly sees in dance films. And eventually, he made up a bingo card from those tropes. I'm holding up the bingo card right now. But you can't see it, so I'll just read down the columns. Column one. Derelict building Marley dance flooring Drony industrial soundtrack Cello music Nudity Column 2 Face pressed against wall Swimming pool, full or empty A bend into office space Short black dresses Dystopian theme Column 3 Reverse video with reverse audio The next square is blank it was a work in progress third square is a star as is the bingo convention fourth square blank feel free to contribute your own fifth square swimwear column four ballet tutus slash shoes black box theater whispering on screen text explanation mainly consists of running column five Multi-story car park. No-sync audio. Repeated inserts of black. Nightwear. Wheat fields. So I invite you to reconstruct this bingo card as a tribute to Simon. And every time you watch a dance film, play bingo and think of Simon. He was a good guy.
0: We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at frameformpodcast@gmail.com at and engage with us on social at frameformpod. That's frameform p o d. If you like what you're hearing, leave a review and rate the show. It really helps out. And if you know someone who also likes dance or film, join the conversation and bring your friends.